Hey all, and welcome to the podcast. This week's a little bit different. We answer a listener's question who wrote into the show asking for some tips from Alex on uh, visiting Hong Kong with from a Wing Chun and Jeet Kune Do perspective. So uh, Alex, you know, being such a, uh, a, a, uh, a visitor to Hong Kong all the time, he uh, really was so impressive. He laid out a complete itinerary of where to, you know, where to visit and who to see in Hong Kong when it comes to Wing Chun and Jeet Kune Do. I was really blown away. It was really interesting, and I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I did. Dudes of Kung Fu. Please welcome your hosts, Alex Richter and Big Sean Madigan. Hey, oh, we're back. How you guys doing? Hey, Alex, what's going on, bro? Hey, I'm just excited that we managed to pull two episodes in a row when when we had that huge break after our first episode of the new season. I think people were afraid if we were really going to pull it off. Two in a row, man. Look at us. It's called a Guinness book, bro. <laughs> people were very excited that we were back because uh, we, we took, what, like five weeks off in between the first episode and the second one. And uh, I think if people – a lot of the messages we were getting were just like, dude, when are you guys coming back on? Oh, yeah. And, 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 there yeah. was tons of people upset, man. It was funny. It was – I mean, like I, I could leave home for five weeks and my wife wouldn't miss me this much, you know? <laughs> I don't blame Yeah, her. so I guess it's a good thing. I guess some some people then tend to tend to care a little bit about what we have to say. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if they so much care about what we have to say, as they just miss the fucking atmosphere of the podcast. Right. I think we right. can sit here and spew bullshit for forty-five minutes. Isn't that what we do anyway, though? <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is true. Yeah. So today, today at a, a kind of a fun Wing Chun morning, uh, my good friend Sifu Jim Rosalando, who's been a uh, guest on our podcast before, was in town, and so was a Sifu Mark Phillips, who's a, a Wing Chun instructor of note from from London. Uh, he happens to be in town, and we we all went out and had breakfast today, and and did the whole Wing Chun chatting thing. So that was pretty cool. It's uh, I guess a great benefit of of doing what I do is I have the chance to meet these uh, other Wing Chun people and martial artists from all over the place, and uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, Mark Phillips is really super super cool guy. I liked him a lot. That's cool. I know. Like I was just telling you, I took a phone with uh, my student Chris Kennedy, who was uh, hanging out with you guys. That's right. He had the time of his life, man. He called me up. He was like, "Dude, I am hanging out with Kung Fu royalty here. This is just awesome." Uh, by the way, I also want to apologize to our uh, viewers out there. I'm at the tail end of suffering with a flu that I caught. You know, my my daughter's in kindergarten, so she brings back all sorts of terrible things uh, home from school with her, and I, I manage. I very rarely get sick, but this. Uh, this is really kind of beat my ass, and unfortunately, I couldn't take uh, any breaks. I had to teach today and everything, so uh, um, you know, if I start sneezing or or, or uh, coughing or hacking or whatever, I hope you guys understand. No, they won't understand. As a matter of fact, they should have to put up with that bullshit. But, you know, <laughs> okay, me. fine. All right, you know what? Uh, then you can just do the rest of this podcast. I'll just be silent. I'll put my mic on mute. <laughs> We're gonna talk about JKD guitars then. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so um, it was also funny on the last episode we were talking uh, about uh, the Conor McGregor Mayweather fight, which was already old news by then, but we had been off the air for so yeah, long yeah, we had yeah. to kind of get caught up. And one of the things we talked about was the corruption in boxing. Boxing <laughs> Like when, when we were talking about uh, the, the strange scorecards after the Mayweather fight. Well, it just so happened that that same weekend uh, there was the Triple G uh, Canelo Alvarez fight, which was an amazing fight if you have a chance to see it. A super, super competitive boxing fight. Really exciting. Lots of uh, really good technique, movement, really high-level boxing. Uh, and it was pretty clear uh, that uh, Triple G won most of the rounds and certainly should have won that fight. But it was declared a draw in one of the most ridiculous moments uh, that I've ever witnessed. And it was funny because that came right off the heels of us talking about how corrupt boxing was. And one of the judges, a woman named Adelaide Bird, who also... Uh, judges MMA, by the way, um, scored it like like. And if you watch the fight, even if you were lenient, right, you you could give Canelo a few of the rounds, maybe even four out of the twelve rounds, or maybe even five out of the twelve rounds. But certainly, Triple G won the majority of the rounds and won that fight. Well, one judge scored it for Triple G, one judge scored it a draw, 
and then this Adelaide bird scored it that Canelo won 10 rounds. <laughs> and it was like, what the hell fight were you were watching? So she's, uh, she's since been suspended uh, from uh, boxing, which I think is great because she's also messed up a bunch of MMA decisions too. And when you have somebody who either she's corrupt and just taking money for this or she just has no idea about the craft of boxing. But if this person doesn't even understand boxing, what are they doing judging MMA? You know, I, no, I'm always ridiculous. Been, it's like people you know, say who, like, who gets to judge this stuff? Oh, is, is boxing corrupt? And like, oh, is yeah. this fight corrupt? Is that fight corrupt? And she's like, yeah, hold my beer. Watch this shit. I'll show you corrupt. <laughs> hold my beer. That's the new, <laughs> the new thing to say these days. Hold my beer. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, so anyway, I thought that was, that was just kind of interesting that, you know, clearly dominant fight by Triple G was, was, was turned into a controversial thing. So, um, but anyway, uh, enough about that. We had, a, uh, we had an email uh, to the uh, Dudes of Kung Fu page on Facebook, which I think happened shortly after our first episode, and then we had a big break. Uh, one of our uh, regular listeners, I think his name is, uh, uh, is it Tof- Topher, I think, Topher, right? yeah, Topher's yeah. a good guy. I talked yeah. on the phone periodically. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Very huge, huge support of us. He actually said that he was going to Hong Kong soon. I hope he hasn't already done that trip. Otherwise, this is coming way late. <laughs> I hope he wears his Dudes of Kung Fu t-shirt. He was That's the right. first guy to post a Dudes of Kung, post a photo of himself with the Dudes of Kung Fu t-shirt and I think a coffee mug. Yeah, the whole call, he was doing the bong. He had the mug right. as the Wu Sao right. hand, which I thought was yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, that was really great. Um, uh, well, he wrote in and, and said that he was going to Hong Kong soon and wanted to kind of have, uh, uh, I guess, a bit of a um, an idea of what kind of places uh, should he go to and what should he do in Hong Kong. And, and I thought, well, it actually makes a great topic for a podcast because uh, um, for anybody who's been to Hong Kong with me, they know that Hong Kong is it's like my second home. I, I just got back a few weeks ago f- with uh, – I was there with my student Antonio, who you met, and he was shocked because we would be like in the middle of nowhere in Kowloon, and I'm like, and we're on these like side streets. I'm like, okay, we got to go up there, take a right there, go. And he just turned and looked at me. He's like, "How do you know all this stuff?" It's like I've spent a lot of time in Hong Kong, like an inordinate amount of time in Hong Kong. So you know, it's not just like the major stuff, but like I know like the the back alley noodle places that you want to go to. Like I know all that stuff, right? So um, I think to have kind of like a Wing Chun, maybe there's not that much Jeet Kune Do stuff there besides obviously Bruce Lee stuff, right? But um, obviously for Wing Chun fans, there's a lot of uh, current stuff uh, for people to go and, and try out and, and, and take a look at. Um, I think for every Bruce Lee fan, probably uh, it all depends because I know, Sean, you're, you're a – you're a Bruce Lee fan in a very different way than other people are Bruce Lee fans because your your thing is the art, the art of Jeet Kune Do, what he, what 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 his brainchild is, so to speak. Whereas other people are like, oh, Bruce Lee wore these shoes, and then right. they're gonna, you know, so like I, they're kind of. I'm a fan it, of I'm a fan of Jeet Kune Do. I mean, yes. listen, I I like Bruce Lee, but to the point, you know, like I'll watch his movies maybe once in a like every ten years or so. Hey, look, Enter the Dragon's on, and I think the new team's coming up. Let me leave it on. <laughs> the but, new like, <laughs> but, like, you know, I mean, listen, everybody has to have a passion. Sure. And some people just <laughs> love fucking Bruce Lee. Like, I would, if I visited California, I may go see the gravesite. But the gravesite no sh- in Seattle, by the way. <laughs> okay. I fucking know Diddley Dick, okay? <laughs> I'm like, which, which grave are you talking about? <laughs> the real one, okay? See, I know where the real grave oh, is. Oh, the real one, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, sure. like, I, like, I would probably go see, I, if I was in whatever state it's in, I would see the grave site because that would be, in my mind, respectful. Sure, sure. Okay, sure. like, but I, what I wouldn't do is I wouldn't fucking take pictures there and post them online. Right, but, right, right. Because right. I, I find that disrespectful. Yeah. But, like, I, I'm not the guy who's going to sit there and say, Okay, let me go to Bruce Lee's house here. Let me go to Bruce Lee where he lived here for a week. You know, I and again, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's right. cool. Like, you know, listen, I'm I'm a fucking Sherlock Holmes dork. If I go to London, I want to find the imaginary home where Sherlock Holmes lived on 221 B Baker Street because right. that that's my you know passion. This is not me making fun of Bruce Lee people. This sure. is me just saying, hey, go go do your thing. I just don't give a shit. Yes. You know what I mean? It's like so. Like if I went to Hong Kong, I would I wouldn't care where Bruce Lee lived. I'm uh-huh. not the guy who's gonna be trying to wear the same clothes as Bruce Lee and 
You know, but I you mean, should try to wear the same clothes as Bruce Lee. Dude, I'm so fat and he was so thin. I would need to take all of his clothes and sew uh, them all together just to make pants. <laughs> but you know, recently I saw on. Oh God, I'm fucking forgetting the guy's name. I hate this shit. A buddy of mine online, who you, you're friends with too, and I, matter of fact, sat with him at your party for a little while. Um, he's a student of uh, Richard, Stifu Richard Torres. He, oh, Vincent, Vincent Vince, right, right. Yeah. He he posted pictures. I think he went to Hong Kong. Yeah, he went and, a couple times. Yeah. And he posted pictures. Like in the same places of where pictures of were Bruce Lee. Yes, yes. And I thought that was really cool. That's not something yes, I yes. would do, but right, I thought it was right. really fucking cool to do. Yeah, you can so also I, see how much Hong Kong has changed since then too. Yeah, you know, like, I remember saying like, "Oh wow, that like that's cool." You know, like like I thought that was really cool to do. It's not something I would think to even do. Right. You know, but like, I thought it was cool. So again, I'm not mocking people for being into Bruce Lee. Right, 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 right. But yeah, like, no, I mean, I, I was just saying time, like like they're, they're different. There are different levels of like like of, of fans Fandom, and what they're sure. into and like you know I, I'm sure you would yeah you know you much <laughs> prefer to like sit down and meet Robert Lee's brother and have like a chat about what Bruce was like at the time as opposed to just go oh look that's some random building where Bruce Lee stood in front of or whatever like, there's kind of levels to these things. I would want what I like for me the complete dorkdom like what I would love to do would be to sit down and talk with people that talked with him. Yes. Right. Like, you know, like, they're trained with him. Like Changi Man and stuff like that. Right, like, yeah. people like that who, and, and not so much make it, hey, you tell me about Bruce Lee, but just tell me about the environment of the time. Right, right. Tell me about, like, what it was like to be in the school at that time. What were you learning? What was the mindset? What were the guys like? What was, and, and I can do my own imagination as to say where Bruce Lee fit into that. I right. wouldn't sit down with Changi Man and in, in my mind, insult him to say, okay, tell me every Bruce Lee story you know, as right. if I didn't give a shit about him. Right, yes. So exactly. I want to hear about his recollections of that time. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? That's why I, one of the things I hate, I, you know, I mean, everybody knows how heavy I am. One of the things I hate about how heavy I am is that I haven't had the opportunity to travel to Hong Kong with you and do that. Right, right, right. You know, I would love that. I would love to go to, you know, uh, was it Nathan Road and Yes. Well let's I'm, do it. Let's set a date and let's make it happen, man. I'm I wanna take you there so bad. Let's just set a date and do it. I can't believe Alex wants to pay for my trip to Hong Kong. <laughs> I didn't like, say that. <laughs> that's so nice of you. You see, you're so nice, Alex. <laughs> well, uh, I'll tell you what, if you're ready to go, if I can get a cheap ticket, I'll pay for you for sure. Don't worry about that. <laughs> if you can come, I would love for you to come, man. Great. Have a great time. Um, yeah, so I think for, uh, um, you know, let's uh, let me do the, the Bruce Lee side of things because the Bruce Lee side of things in Hong Kong these days is uh, it's, it's pretty slim, actually. Um, the, I think the one that everyone likes to see is in Kowloon Tong, which is a section of uh, Hong Kong, which is a little bit like Beverly Hills or Bel Air, let's say. It's where all the a lot of celebrities and rich people live because it's the one part of Hong Kong or Kowloon where they're all houses there. Most people in Hong Kong, they live in apartments, but there's like one section where they have these homes. And um, that's where Bruce Lee's uh, last house was, which is a 41 Cumberland Road. Um, it's since changed hands a few times and uh, it definitely doesn't look exactly the same like it did back then but the the gate is still out there and that's the neighborhood that Bruce Lee jogged in and moved around in and, and that's where he was when he made all the iconic films so it's kind of fun to be there and see like oh these are the streets that he ran and I go down there and I think like I try to figure out what his jogging route would have been and like you know I think like on the, the workout side of things how he kind of moved around there and um, 41 Cumberland Roads are, are kind of a really cool place to, to to go when you're in Hong Kong. So if you're if you're there, it's um, you go to the Kowloon Tong MTR station and you can just walk there. It's, it's really not that far. Um, Do they have any like um, monument tourist thing? Hey, Bruce no. Lee a, kind of thing? Part of part of the problem is they they want to do something there. They wanted to make a Bruce Lee muse museum at that house, but the problem is that Linda Lee and the Lee estate they want Hong Kong to pay for everything. They're like, sure, do it. We get the rights for everything, but you guys pay for everything. Right, yeah. um, so the and, and I know that because I know people in the Hong Kong government. So they're like, yeah, the Lee estate wants to get all the royalties, all the money, but they want Hong Kong to pay for everything. So Hong right. Kong has just basically said whatever. I find so, that so shocking. 
Yeah, really shocking, right? So um, <laughs> the funny thing about that place, and for Kung Fu movie fans, is um, Bruce Lee did not die in that house, but that's the house that he lived in at the time that he passed away. He actually died in Kowloon Tong, but in another, in another party on Beacon Hill Road at Betty Ting Pei's apartment. But what's interesting is after Bruce Lee passed away, the, the Lee family, they, they left that house, I think, pretty shortly after. And then um, it, it changed hands once or twice. But eventually in, the, in, I think, the early 80s, Alexander Fusheng bought that place. And Alexander Fusheng was a huge Shaw Brothers movie star. And he was like the upcoming, like the next, not the next Bruce Lee, but he was like, you know, he was like the cool Kung Fu guy, right? And he wanted to buy Bruce Lee's old house because for him that was a, a, a sign of success. He became a big movie star, bought Bruce Lee's old home. And nearly exactly 10 years to the day Bruce Lee died, Alexander Fusheng died in a car crash. So, wow. the, so the Chinese kind of had the feeling that that house was bad luck, right? <laughs> Kung Fu movie stars, they don't die in that house, but they die <laughs> while living in that house, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So shortly after that, they, they turned it into a love motel. Do you know what a love motel is, Sean? Well, I mean, I'm guessing a place where people like go and pay for an hour to. Yes, because this is a, a very Asian thing. And certainly in Hong Kong, it's kind of a big deal because most people in Hong Kong, until they're married, they live at home. So if you and, and so that's it's not uncommon for like a, a, a male in their 20s to still be living at home or, or a female in her 20s still be living at home. So the problem is when boyfriends and girlfriends want to hook up. They can't do it at home because mom, dad, and grandparents all live in this tiny-ass Hong Kong apartment. So I remember when I was younger, I was so naive. I, I used to walk around Hong Kong, and I was like, why are there so many hourly motels throughout Hong Kong? Because <laughs> I kept thinking, I'm like, because the, the immediate assumption is prostitution, right? You're going like, I don't see prostitutes all over the place. I'm like, why is it every single place in Hong Kong is a one-hour hotel, one-hour hotel, one-hour? And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And I didn't realize it was just as simple as most people live at home, and they just need an hour to get away so they can get it on with their significant other. There so, like, go. the hourly motel business in Hong Kong is, like, a huge thriving business over there and there are even some places that are like chains where they have the same one throughout all of hong kong it's cra crazy so bruce lee's old home on 41 cumberland road turned into one of these love motels at some point so um in fact i even think there's a weird video on youtube when it was still a love motel where somebody stayed there and like and filmed on the inside and they were like we're staying at bruce lee's place but it was while it was a love motel <laughs> so it's like all like seedy and weird in there right um, and then it stopped being a love motel. And then, uh, I don't know, last time I was there, it looked like they were selling used cars in the parking lot. It was very strange. Um, I really hope that somebody buys it and does something sure. Bruce Lee related with it. Because even when I bring my students there, inevitably one or two other people walk by knowing that that was Bruce Lee's home and they go there too. So it is definitely an attraction for a lot of people. So um, if anybody's going to Hong Kong for the first time and they're a Bruce Lee fan, Go take the MTR to the Kowloon Tong Station and walk a few blocks down to 41 Cumberland Road and just take a look at Bruce Lee's old home. It's a nice, uh, nice uh, short little walk. Also, the uh, LaSalle College is in Kowloon Tong, and that is the elementary school that Bruce Lee went to with um, Hawkins Chung. Right, right, right. Bruce Lee got kicked out of a lot of schools because he was always failing. Uh, he was a terrible student, and he was always getting in fights. So Kowloon Tong has lots of very high-end private schools because Bruce Lee's father, Lei Hoi Chun, could afford to send Bruce Lee to these nice schools, but Bruce kept getting kicked out. So literally every school of note that's been around for any time, like Bruce had gone to every single school over there at some point. So it was kind of funny. Um, was it LaSalle that he was a student of when he got into that boxing yeah, I think the so. The famed um, boxing match that. Yeah, the famed boxing match where he beat the uh, whoever the current, uh, um, you know, teenage high kid, kid was. Yeah, high school kid was in boxing. Mm -hmm. Who who was also a Westerner. So I mean, you know, people can say what they want, but when Bruce Lee was a teenager with no boxing training, he beat a Western boxing champion in boxing at his own game, and that definitely that definitely says something. Um, if you go. Um, if you go, uh, well, this isn't necessarily exactly Bruce Lee related, but um, if you go a little further north into the new territories, you can go to Grandmaster Yip Man's grave, which I, I really like. For me, um, 
Uh, that's uh, I, I try to go there every time I go to Hong Kong because I teach Wing Chun and that's kind of like you have to go and respect the old Grandmaster Absolutely. and it's a very cool kind of path up to Grandmaster Yip Man's grave. Um, so you have to take the MTR. Uh, the MTR, by the way, is the Hong Kong subway and you take it all the way to Fan Lang, uh, F-A-N-L-I-N-G and take it all the way there and you get off the MTR station and you basically just make a left turn at the MTR station. Um, right across from the MTR station is a beautiful uh, temple. I believe it's a, it's a Taoist temple. It's called the uh, Feng Xin Yi Gun. And if you remember, there's an old photo of Bruce Lee because he used to go to Funlang all the time. I don't know why. I think maybe um, his father's there was their ancestral home was up in Funlang or something. But Bruce Lee, there's a photo of Bruce Lee where he's wearing white pants, uh, white shoes and a white tank top. And he has his hands in front of him and he's just standing in front of a temple. And that's actually the very same temple that's there in Funlang. And right next to the temple is a graveyard. And that is the graveyard where Grandmaster Yip Man is buried. And it's pretty easy to get to you just there's one entrance into the graveyard and you basically just keep walking up the hill and you'll eventually see signs to grandmaster yip man's grave although it has a very funny spelling error it says the gray of grandmaster yip man it's like g-r-a-y-e instead of v-e <laughs> so you go to the gray of grandmaster yip man and you just follow the signs and you go all the way up and uh and and grandmaster yip man has uh, in comparison to the other greats, it's a pretty lavish, uh, 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 lavish setup. It's quite large, and uh, really nice. And 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 um, so, my advice to anybody who visits Grandmaster Yip Man's grave, um, you know, I, we've taken some photos there. I never really take direct photos of the grave. I've taken photos of us kind of from the side. Um, it's not always the most. Um, respectful in Chinese culture to take photos of graves. Um, but most of the time when you're up there, nobody else is up there. I mean, what you do is kind of your thing. It's up to you. I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. But my, my advice to you is when you're at the bottom in front of the temple, you can buy some incense from the, because the, a lot of people buy incense to offer at the temple. You can go in like for a couple bucks, you buy some incense and buy a lighter, bring up some incense. You go up to Grandmaster Yip Man's grave. Um, and usually there's a little broom up by Grandmaster Yip Man's grave, like a little handheld broom. So my my advice to anybody who visits Grandmaster Yip Man's grave, because there are a lot of leaves and things that fall down, is clean it, sweep it, because it doesn't always get done. So you go up there. I always sweep his grave every time I go That's there. Nice. Like, and and then I sweep all the leaves off, and I clean it off, and I you know dust all the stuff off there, and That's then awesome. we, That's we we light some incense, and then and then we leave it there for him. And while you're there, so here's something that a lot of people don't know because I'm I'm a big fan not just of the big people who went out there and made a name for themselves, but I also want to know about the supportive people in the cast because behind every great martial artist or great man or whatever are these other people who helped them do what, what they did. And there's a very small grave. If you're looking at Grandmaster Yip Man's grave, off to the left – if you just go up this little tiny bump, you'll see there's a little grave there and it's broken. It's in such bad repair. It's actually the, the um, it's completely shattered and it totally breaks my heart when I see it. The grave is of a Chinese man and the, it's unfortunately only in Chinese, it's not in English, but his name was Lee Man. And there's a little photo there. And Lee Man was Grandmaster Yip Man's good friend from Fatsan. And Lee Man is the guy who convinced Grandmaster Yip Man that he should teach Wing Chun. Because he saw that Grandmaster Yip Man was just sweeping at the temple at Wong Dai Xin and, and said, hey, how come you're doing that? You should go and teach a, a Wing Chun class. I can set it up at the restaurant workers union for you. And, you know, he didn't want to see Yip Man doing manual labor. He said, come on, come on and teach Wing Chun. And if not for him, Yip Man wouldn't have taught Wing Chun. Yeah, and then wow. there would be no Bruce Lee and there would be no Jeet Kune Do. And there would essentially be no martial arts scene because Bruce Lee was a huge catalyst for the martial arts scene in the world. And without Lee Man... Yip Man would have never taught. And so his grave happens to be next to Grandmaster Yip Man. And I don't think anybody even notices him. So when you go by, you should clean his grave off too and, and give, him a, give him a little incense and say thank you to him as well. And he's, he's very underappreciated, but it, if not for him, we would not be here. This podcast wouldn't exist. That's awesome. So, yeah, so that, that's if you go all the way up to Fan Lang. All right? And... Uh, <clears throat> 
other and and if anybody can find out why Bruce Lee went to Funling regularly, I'd be very interested because there are a lot of photos of Bruce Lee with his father at the Funling train station. But I don't know what brought him up there regularly. There must must have been some reason. And Funling is very. <laughs> Actually, at that time, Funling was all countryside. There was nothing there. The new territories in the north were nothing but farmland in those days, and now they're becoming quite quite developed these days. So Funling is very kind of peaceful, quiet place. Um, also, the famous detective Tang Sang lived in Funling, and he paid for Grandmaster Yip Man's grave. So I think he wanted Grandmaster Yip Man to be buried close to him, and he he's up there. So that's definitely worth. Uh, definitely worth a visit if you guys go there and for bruce lee fans i think there's only maybe two years left but there's the bruce lee exhibit in sha tin so if you go to sha tin it's at the um uh hong kong heritage museum and uh they have a ongoing um uh exhibition about bruce lee uh, and it has all sorts of collectibles. So if you're a Bruce Lee collector, this is the place to go. And, and the stuff that they have there is really quite wow. amazing. Um, they have uh, uh, all sorts of uh, Bruce Lee collectibles. They have like his suits from the different movies. They have his clothes. They have uh, even <laughs> the thing I geeked out about is they have the claw from Enter the Dragon. That's cool. There behind, I saw that. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's Han's claw. <laughs> like, I, I totally geeked out. You're not allowed to take any photos in there, unfortunately. That's why you haven't seen this stuff online. But they got all the Bruce Lee collectors to bring all this stuff together. And what I found the most fascinating, and this is why I would love for you to have a chance to go, Sean, is they have one section where they have Bruce Lee's books. And they're all oh, in a glass nice. case. So you see the books that he read. And it was everything like from philosophy to history, but also his martial art books, which back then there weren't as many martial art books right, as there right, are right. now. But it's still really interesting because you basically look on a shelf behind a glass case and you, you're looking at all of Bruce Lee's books, the books that he read. And it's really amazing. And they have his business cards and they even have the waiver form for his Jeet Kune Do school and all sorts of like super cool stuff. But what's great about that um, uh, exhibition is one, it only costs the equivalent of two US dollars to go. So you're paying like next to nothing to go in there because it's subsidized by the city. And the the displays are really amazing, but they have a documentary about Bruce Lee that's about an hour long and it shows every couple hours. And in my opinion, it's the best documentary you've ever seen on Bruce Lee. But because it's, you have to, you can only see it at that exhibit. That's why you haven't seen it openly. Um, it's all of Bruce Lee's childhood friends in Hong Kong talking about what he was like as a person. And then it's all the people who worked with him. And most of the documentaries you see, they're all like all his American students, and which is nothing wrong with that. But you, those aren't the people who grew up with Bruce Lee. Right. And, and so it's really interesting to see, like you were talking about, Sean, to like find out what it was like, what was going on back then. And that documentary um, is amazing. It's really amazing. And um, so I uh, it, and the, the exhibit was only for five years. I think it's already been there for three or four years. So I don't think it's going to be there for much longer. So if you're going to Hong Kong in the next year or two, um, you really have to take a look at it um, because it, it's not going to last. And then all that stuff goes back to the various collectors. So this is the only time when all of those collections are in one place. And otherwise, it's going to go back. They have his training equipment and, you know, all, all sorts of sure. stuff. It's very cool. It's very cool. So um, anybody who goes there should go to the Hong Kong Heritage Museum in, in Shatsin and, and definitely uh, check that out. Um, they also have a great gift shop downstairs with that book that I got you, Sean. That they have lots awesome. of really, really cool stuff book. there. Yeah, so um, that I could definitely uh, recommend. Now, for most Wing Chun people, of course, if a Wing Chun person wants recommendations on where to go, well, can the I, first can place... Can you one second? Yeah, sure, go ahead. I'm sorry, just um, I always see people take a picture with his Bruce Lee statue. Yes, 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 yes. Where is that? So um, the main one that's down by the pier. So right on the southern tip of Kowloon, uh, that part of Kowloon is called Tim Ta Choi. They have kind of like almost like a Hollywood Walk of Fame, but it's like a Hong Kong Walk of Fame. Okay. And they have like the handprints of a lot of Hong Kong stars and then the names. It's like it's just like the Hollywood Walk of Fame, but it's all Hong Kong people. And they had the statue right there, so it's right in front of the harbor. However, last year they moved it. They moved it like around the corner because it so it's no longer right in front of the water. It's like somewhere off to the side. So <clears throat> the photo is not as great anymore with it. Right. But I think they're actually going to move it back. I think they just temporarily moved it. But I didn't even see it the last time I went to Hong Kong because they had moved it around the corner. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, uh, 
For Wing Chun people, it's always difficult because obviously if you're a Wing Chun person and you're going to Hong Kong and you want to know where to train, well, the first thing I would say is, well, what's your lineage? You know what I mean? If you are a if you're a Moyat guy or a Wong Sun guy or a Lungting guy, well, I mean, I would expect that you would go to those places first, right? Um, and, and also understand, because uh, sometimes Westerners are a bit naive. Um, they have the idea that like, oh, we're all Wing Chun, we're all one family, I want to just go and train with this guy, train with that guy. If you show up to a Wing Chun school, which you're not part of that lineage in Hong Kong, you might get greeted kindly if that Sifu happens to be open-minded or happens to know Westerners. And you might also get the cold shoulder. They might be, they might say they're not interested in teaching you because they don't know if you're a troublemaker or not, or they might make you do cheese out with somebody who's just going to try to smack you around or, or what they most likely will do is they will say, okay, show me your Sunim Tao form. And from this first movement you do, no, nope, no good, wrong. No, 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 and they're just going to rip you to pieces and you're going to spend two hours getting told that your Sunim Tao isn't even, you can't even set the stance right. And uh, you're, you're not going to actually learn anything because they really didn't want you to practice in their class. They just want to kind of rip you to pieces. So be a little careful when you go to Hong Kong. It's not always the, the beautiful, wonderful experience <laughs> that, that you think, right? If you have a particular lineage, well, that's easy. You start with that first. If you're a Wong Sun Leung guy, um, then obviously you contact uh, the, whatever Wong Sun Leung students you are uh, – um, related to you go to their schools first yeah and and it's always a good idea with Chinese instructors um, to contact them before you show up look it's a good idea in Western culture to do that I can't tell you how many Wing Chun people just show up to my school at some random time like at 11 o'clock in the morning and then they're they're freaked they're, they're pissed off that I'm not there <laughs> like or something right and like oh I thought he was gonna be here like as if my entire life is sitting at my school waiting for people to show up right With like i'm a, like i'm a chinese <laughs> massage parlor or something like that right so if you're going to visit a martial arts school send them an email first tell them who you are and tell them what you want to do ask them is it uh, are you able to observe a class can you participate in a class don't be too presumptive about them letting you do things that might be normal in the western world right but definitely make sure you tell them you're coming before you come. Because if you just show up to a Wing Chun class unannounced as a Westerner, you are really rolling the dice in terms of what kind of experience you're about to get. You can get anything from a beautiful welcome and, yeah, come on in. Oh, it's a Wing Chun brother to a very, very harsh cold shoulder. So if you don't want to set yourself up for any kind of failure – you know, do the polite thing and tell people that you're coming in advance. All right. So I do that even with people that are part of my Kung Fu family. If I go to Hong Kong, I tell them in advance that I'm coming and when I'm coming because that's just courtesy. So um, one of the things that people can do in Hong Kong is go to the Wing Chun Athletic Association, which was Grandmaster Yip Man's association that he founded in the late 60s. But there's no one teacher who teaches there. They have a lot of different instructors who teach at a different schedule and they basically use that place. So again, if you're going to visit the Wing Chun Athletic Association or the VTAA, contact them in advance. Don't just show up, right? Because you might be a bit disappointed in, in terms of the reception you get. Um, and if you have a chance to visit uh, Sifu Wan Kam Leung's gym, Sifu Wan Kam Leung is very successful. He's very busy. He's not always in Hong Kong, but if you contact them and he happens to be there and he and you, you set up some time to come and visit, that's always a great time to visit Sifu Wan Kam Leung. He's very open, very, very nice guy. But again, make an appointment. Don't just show up. Um, so that's kind of my general thing about um, visiting Wing Chun schools in Hong Kong. You know, you kind of start with your own lineage. Um, if you guys go to Kowloon Park, uh, Kowloon Park is it's like the central park of Kowloon. On Sundays at around 2 p.m., they have Kung Fu Corner, and they have all sorts of Kung Fu masters from all different styles demonstrating there. So you basically get a free Kung Fu show if you show up there. So it's uh, it's actually pretty cool. Um, was there anything about Hong Kong that ever interested you, Sean, besides in general going? Was there anything in particular you wanted to know or, or piqued your curiosity about Hong Kong? I'll be honest with you. You just touched on it. Again, I don't know that much about Hong Kong. I don't I, I, And I know even less about... Wing Chun um, personalities. Yeah, yeah. 
But I've always had this fascination with going to the VTAA, you know? Yes, yes. And I didn't know that it's used as like a gym by different different teachers. Right, right, right. I, I just, I guess, I don't know why, and I hate to sound like an idiot, but I will. In my head, for some reason, I had it that that was where uh, the Yip Chun and Yip Ching like ran their school. Like, I don't know why, uh-huh. but... In my well, well, head, that was I mean, their school. They also, that... Yeah, they also teach there. Um, well, the hit, it, well, it has something to do with the history of the Wing Chun Athletic Association. The Wing Chun Athletic Association, that premises was paid for by Yip Man students in the 60s, um, mostly by Tang Sung and a few other donors, like Loy Lok, who was a famous gangster cop in those days. Um, <laughs> of course, it's very funny because nowadays there's a bunch of Yip Man students who talk shit about Tang Sung. And they sit in the Wing Chun Athletic Association talking shit about Tang Sung, which I find quite ironic. Because if not for Tang Sung, they would not have that premises of which they are spending their time talking shit about Tang Sung. <laughs> so it's kind of like, um, so the idea was that it was supposed to become kind of like a Wing Chun center. Even by the time they bought the premises in the late 60s, Grandmaster Yip Man was already kind of slowing down in terms of his own teaching because it was already the late 60s, you know? I mean, think about right, it. Right. He died in 70, 1972, so this was 1967, 1968, I think they secured the premises. The original premises for the Wing Chun Athletic Association mm-hmm. was actually not that current one. Um, the original premises was actually Learn Ting's gym on 440 Nathan Road. Um, a lot of people don't know that, especially people who like to pretend that Learn Ting was was never never even knew Yip Man or something like that. Um, the original um, Wing Chun Athletic Association was the smaller premises at 440 Nathan Road. Eventually, they changed the location to the current Mong Kok location. And what Learn Ting did is he just got the old premises, the old VTAA premises, because. He used to teach for the Wing Chun Athletic Association after Yip Man retired. Yip Man put him in charge of teaching the students there. And then um, and then they moved the association, and then Leung Ting took it over and made it his own gym. So um, <laughs> people who, who trained in the Leung Ting Association and go to that headquarters, that used to be um, Yip Man's school. That used to be the, the, um, the old VTAA. And then the idea would be that Yip Man's senior students would teach at the Wing Chun Athletic Association. Yeah, so basically it created the template for a lot of these martial arts schools in Hong Kong where you have uh, Sifu, one Sifu teaches Tuesdays and Thursdays and another Sifu teaches Mondays and Wednesdays. And um, the Learn Ting Gym actually does something similar to that, but it, it gets kind of messy in my opinion because if the student joins on one, like if they join on a Tuesday, their Sifu is whoever teaches on Tuesday, right? But if they want to go to the Monday class, it's another Sifu, everything becomes very confusing, right? So the Wing Chun Athletic Association kind of had something like that. So throughout the years, um, some of the instructors would would kind of revolve around a little bit. So you had um, Yip Chun teaching on some nights, Yip Ching teaching on some nights. Way back in the day, Wong Sun Leung would also have a class there. Uh, I think Wan Kam Leung also taught at the Wing Chun Athletic Association at some point. Um, Siok Min, all these different people. Like um, I, I don't remember who the lineup is now. I, I think Roland Tong, who's one of Yip Man's students, I think he kind of teaches there or at least he hangs out there a little bit and siok men and a few other people but um now i think it's a lot of like second and third generation guys are actually teaching at the vtaa because well a lot of the first generation guys aren't around anymore unfortunately so um that's kind of um kind of what's uh, going on there what's interesting is the right underneath the wing chun athletic association is a thai boxing gym and they have a huge glass display which is that it's only it's pretty new but it's just weird when you look up at the wing chun athletic association sign you used to just see that and now you see this big huge thai boxing thing underneath it so it's kind of like uh as much as i like thai boxing i just wish that building was kind of still left unmolested sure, you know sure. so um yeah so there, there's um there's that as well um and Tong Choi Street, which is right across the street there in Mong Kok. I think uh, if you go to, I think it's 149 Tong Choi Street. That's where uh, Yip Man used to live. Um, and I believe Yip Ching still lives there. But that's where the famous footage was shot shortly before Yip Man passed away. Was, so it's just right around the corner from the Wing Chun Athletic Association. And and uh, if you go to 149 Tong Choi Street just to see the building where Yip Man was in, Right across the street is a bookstore and a stationery store. A hidden tip is go into that bookstore and go in the back because they have tons of martial art books in there. Yes, 
they are only in Chinese, but I promise you the pictures are in English. Uh, and, <laughs> <laughs> and you can get gems like they have like Wong Sunlong books and Long Ting books in Chinese, and they have lots of rare stuff. Like I picked up um, – actually, I can – for those who are watching the podcast, I can even pull it up here, I think. Um, give me just a second. Did I picked up this one. Did you buy balloon on the floor there? <laughs> Oh yeah, that's from my daughter's birthday party. I bought this at that this this place is right across the street from 149 Tong Choi Street. This is Wing Chun Yip Chun, right? Uh, uh, Yip Ching, right? And which is funny because it's literally right across the street from where Yip Ching lives. I picked up his book, but this is a book that you would only find in Hong Kong. It's only in Chinese, and, and um, even if you don't read Chinese, it's still very interesting because they have like he does all the forms, uh, oh, the wooden cool. dummy. There's analysis. There's knives, long pole, all sorts of stuff there. So. Um, yeah, literally right across the street from 149 Chung Choi Street is a stationery and bookstore. You go in there and go past all the stationery stuff and just ask the lady that works there because she speaks English. Um, right? And then they'll just point you to the section and you, you can find all sorts of crazy little gems in there. I even found Chinese books on very rare styles that um, you can't find elsewhere. Just like a lot, I got a lot of my little gems over there and that a uh, bookstore was shown to me by Sifu Li Tinloi. Li Tinloi is the one of the best masters in, in Southern Mantis, and he's an absolute amazing martial artist. And um, I ate at a restaurant across the street, and he's the one who showed me that place. And 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 so yeah, there's this that's great little cool. great little really bookstore cool. over there that I could I could recommend for you guys as well. And uh, yeah, and <laughs> if you guys are into obviously Hong Kong is a very beautiful city. Um, beyond the martial arts and Wing Chun stuff, there's a lot of really great things to see there, um, both on the Hong Kong Island side and on the uh, uh, Kowloon side. But I, I figured for today, I would just give you guys kind of a at least a little bit of the Wing Chun and, and, and Bruce Lee stuff uh, because you know I could go on for days in terms of all the different things uh, one could do in, in in Hong Kong as well. And and if you go in the summertime, the Hong Kong has great beaches, hiking, seafood. Uh, the food in Hong Kong is amazing. Like, like that, that's the when I come back to the states, and I live in New York where we have great cuisine. Um, but even I just feel like it's just a lot easier to get great food in Hong Kong sometimes. <laughs> and I can't even eat Chinese food for about three to four weeks after I get back from Hong Kong here in New York. It's like I just can't even touch it because it's nowhere near the level as it is over there. So um, yeah, so it's, it's always a bit rough coming back in terms of that <laughs> stuff. Um, and uh, speaking of Chinese food, to Sunday, uh, it, we're having a, a little birthday party. I can say because this podcast comes out Monday. It's actually a surprise now. Um, but it, Monday when the podcast comes out, it won't matter. Um, they're having a little surprise party for Angela Mao at her school – at her oh, sorry, at her God. restaurant. Yeah. So I um, – you know, it's it's always difficult to get like well, Angela Mao from all these kung fu movies and from Enter the Dragon. What do you get her, right? Well, my good friend Bay Logan in Hong Kong has all the original movie posters from a lot of the films that she was in, and she hasn't seen any of these things. Oh, and um, it, uh, he gave me an original. Uh, it's the original theatrical poster for one of her films, and um, from 1973 or something like that. And uh, so I got the thing f like professionally framed. It looked really amazing. Oh, cool. So yeah, I'll give it to her. She's like, you know, it's like a painting of her like kicking some dude in the throat or something like that. That's <laughs> it's nice, really cool. Guys. Yeah, so it'll be a lot of fun. And uh, I will uh, go to Hong Kong probably in January and I'll go again. Of course, if anybody wants more detailed tips about what to do in Hong Kong or what to go see, you can send uh, um uh, send a message to the uh, Dudes of Kung Fu podcast. What I'll probably do so that I don't have to constantly re-answer the same question is I'll probably just write a blog, like the Wing Chun Guide to Hong Kong, you know, so that people could That's just go weird, there yeah. and, and, uh, and, and you know, just read my blog and it'll tell you all the places to go. I mean, what I gave today was really, really basic level stuff. Like we could go into like deep, geek levels of which there is no return like i'll tell you what i even know where the grave of bruce lee's father is in hong kong all right like that's like kind of like like if you want to go deep we can go deep all right there you go. <laughs> or like you know uh, even uh, certain rooftops where bruce lee had fights and and like yeah i mean we can really go into it um, but for people who are going to hong kong for the first time there's so much to do just go and hit all the basics first don't worry about you know going into into like kind of crazy weird stuff yet. Uh, that's that's for your second and third trip to Hong Kong for sure. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So cool. People want to go to Hong Kong. They should start. They should come to New York first. Yes. And then yeah, spend for their sure. time here. Fuck going to Hong Kong. <laughs> <laughs> We're the greatest city in the world. <laughs> I don't know. Hong Kong is is Hong Kong really has my heart because a lot of the things I love about New York exist in Hong Kong, and um, it's just I've been there so many times. It's really become uh, my home. I tell you the. I have a really hard time leaving Hong Kong. Uh, it's 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 like uh, one of the few times I feel a little sad, a little like, like almost, I don't know, there's something about that place I've identified with it since I was very young. And Hong Kong culture has so much to do with my identity and, and, and martial arts and the things that I love that I'll go there. Even if I spend four weeks there, the day that I have to go, I'm always so sad. I really, I, I hate when the plane takes off and I leave Hong Kong. It's like very difficult. And when you spend enough time there, it's it's really really an amazing place there's no no place quite like it and hong kong's very special very special i hope to make so, it there one day yeah well let's well here's the thing we'll set a date okay and we'll make it happen all right it's gonna happen all right we're gonna go we're all right yeah it's the way it is we will we'll pick a date whether it's a year from now two years from now whatever we'll make it work whatever we need to do to make that happen we'll make it happen and we will go and I will introduce you to everybody. I'll introduce you to Chan Chi Man because guess what? He's not getting on a plane and coming to New York. He's 82 <laughs> years old, all right? So, so you want to see these guys? We got to go over there. We definitely got to go over there. I'm, my brother went to Hong Kong. And um, he said to me, he goes, he says, make sure you got good walking shoes. He says, because when you ask for directions, every direction started with just walk up this hill. <laughs> so I was like, walk up yeah. this street, which was a fucking hill. It's like every street. Right, right, right. Yeah, Hong Kong's got a lot of hills, and and uh, usually the main drags, like Nathan Road, is pretty flat, and and most of the the main roads uh, going across Hong Kong Island are are not that crazy. But yeah, if you go off into certain areas, you can you can definitely do quite a bit of hiking, and and that's actually how I learned um, Hong Kong so well. When I would go. When I went on my first trip when I was 18 and later when I went, when I started learning from Grandmaster Loing Ting, when I would go to, to Hong Kong, um, I would just get my, my cheap room that I was staying at. And then uh, if my lesson was at 7 p.m. that night, I would get up in the morning and I would just put my backpack on and I would just start walking. And I would say, OK, today I'm going in this direction. I'm going to go up Nathan Road. The next day I go down Nathan Road. The next day I'm going to go on the Hong Kong Island side. Um, and sometimes I would even go, I'm just going to get on this bus. <laughs> and I'm just gonna get I'm gonna get off the bus in 20 minutes and wherever it takes me I'm just gonna be there and so what ended up happening is I just I, I at some point I had essentially explored every neighborhood of, of Hong Kong and, and really got to know it well I, w- I even ended up in this a weird fishing village once Wow. <laughs> and so yeah and and now that I've been back so many times since now I have a really uh, um, a really great um, kind of overview of everything oh and oh i almost forgot the coolest bruce lee place to go in hong kong is ching shan monastery so for people who've watched enter the dragon everyone knows the opening scene yeah where he has the um where he has laos time where he has the whole finger pointing away to the moon where he asked that kid to kick him right which by the way that that location where he asked that kid to kick him that's not the same location as the temple where he fights Sammo Hung. That's like a totally another place. Um, but that, that whole scene there is done at Qingshan Monastery, which is the oldest Buddhist monastery in Hong Kong. And it's all the way in Tun Mun. But if you can go there, there are no tourists there ever because it's so off the beaten path. And uh, that is a walk that Sean... Uh, I, even for me, that's super, super difficult sometimes because right. the hill is like this to go right. up to Ching right. And you're either taking a taxi or you're walking. It's actually so brutal when you're walking up. At some point, you actually have to turn around and walk backwards just to give the front of your shins a break. Oh, because wow. because your shins are basically at this angle the whole time while you're walking up. So even me, like I'm a pretty like fit dude. Like Even there's some point where I just have to turn around and walk up backwards. Like, oh, this is like too much for me, man. Um, So if you take the MTR to Toon Moon, and then my suggestion would just be just to get in a cab and just tell them to take you to Qingshan Monastery and go up there. 
That right. is the monastery where they shot it. And they actually have cardboard cutouts of Bruce Lee and the monk in the spots where he stood, which seems a little bit cheesy, but it's kind of cool because if they weren't there, you wouldn't know exactly where those spots were. Sure, and, sure. And, and, it, and it, the temple is essentially exactly the same as it was in that film. And the only reason they got that fi- that location as a, a shooting location was because, you know, the, the guy who played the monk, um, the one who talks to Bruce, you know, he's the mm-hmm. abbot, right? And then he's talking to Bruce. Do you know that was an actor named Roy Chow who, who played Senzo Tanaka in Bloodsport, you know, uh, with Jean-Claude Van Damme, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme's teacher who's supposed yes. to be Japanese. He was played by the Chinese actor Roy Chow, who is the same guy who was the abbot in Enter the Dragon. Oh, okay. So... Roy Chow was also a pilot and he was flying over Hong Kong and he saw that monastery from the sky and he said, oh, we need to shoot it there. And he was the one that gave them the idea to do that scene at that monastery because it was way off the beaten path. Like if you didn't fly, you wouldn't have known it. So Bruce Lee fans should go to Tun Mun. That's a T-U-E-N-M-U-N. Uh, you can take the MTR. You can take the train there. And once you get there, the easiest thing is just hop in a cab and ask them to take you to Kingshan Monastery or have somebody write it in Chinese for you and then just show it to the taxi driver. They'll drive you up there, and then you're you're basically in the opening scene of Enter the Dragon. It's it's, it's quite amazing. Oh, I'm going to so, visit um, it on Google Earth once we're done with this. Yeah, yeah, you could do that. Qingshan, the, the English name for it is Castle Peak Monastery. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, it's really quite nice. And some of my photos in my Siunam Tao book were shot there. You see, I'm at a Buddhist temple, and you look in the background, you see the Hong Kong skylight. That's all done at Qingshan Monastery. Uh, it's really, really amazing place. And no tourists, and peaceful, and quiet, and it's a nice hike. It's just it's great. Really, really highly recommend that place for people over there. Very cool. Cool. Well, I think that's a great start for people. I actually had a topic I wanted to discuss tonight, but I didn't realize I would spend so much time talking about Hong Kong. So I think we'll right, reserve Alex, it. For... People just expect you not to shut the fuck up sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe we'll reserve the topic for the uh, next podcast because the the big thing in the Wing Chun world nowadays is all this so-called internal Wing Chun. And, you know, now we get asked questions. Oh, do you do internal Wing Chun? Is your Wing Chun internal? And I think that this is uh, a subject that needs to be discussed uh, a, a bit seriously. Um, not just talking about all the charlatans in the internal world. There definitely is a legit side to internal martial arts. It's just a question of whether this has anything to do with Wing Chun and whether Wing Chun needs this uh, to be effective. So I think that that's a... Uh, that's maybe a, a subject for another time. Maybe we do that on the next podcast. Sounds like a plan, brother. Awesome. So I just want to remind all you guys to like us on Facebook if you haven't done so already. Uh, Dudes of Kung Fu on Facebook. And as always, if you have any uh, questions, concerns, if you're not sure um, you know, that Sean's voice sounded as sexy as it normally does and you're concerned that he doesn't <laughs> feel as sexy as he normally does, let us know. All right. But please stop sending us nudes. We just can't take them anymore. There's just too many of them. So Dudes of Kung Fu on Facebook, like us, share the page when the episodes come out, share the episodes, let other people know about it. Um, and uh, as always, if you can write reviews for us on iTunes and Android in the podcast apps, that's great because people read the reviews when they look up the podcast and that helps us quite a bit. We're also on Twitter. And uh, yeah, um, also uh, what's the online shop, Sean, for people who want Dudes of Kung Fu swag? I see you, you didn't give me a fucking chance. I you know, hold on one second. <laughs> Did I, I catch the, you? Yeah, I don't have okay. the link ready. Okay, we don't have the link, but I'm sure the link is on the Dudes of Kung Fu podcast page on Facebook, so you can go there. And we have T-shirts and mugs and all sorts of beautiful things. All right, and when you buy our awesome swag, please take photos of yourself wearing or using the swag, and we will post it, which is amazing as always. So I will post a link from the Dudes of Kung Fu page again. Just because Alex threw me a freaking curveball. <laughs> Sean, Sean bitches about me talking all the time, but when I finally throw it to him, he's left with his pants down. <laughs> Dude, how'd you know my pants were down? <laughs> I know why you put the camera where it is. I know with, I know if the camera pans down, everyone's going to start screaming. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. It was great. We'll see you guys next week. Take care. Be good, guys.